Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Jamie Pay. Jamie is also known as the Messy Coach and today we are talking about messiness and the PhD. What it might look like, what you can do with it, maybe even embrace it. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Jamie. Hello. So lovely to have you here. As we were just saying, it's an opportunity to make a new friend, which I like very much. Um, So I I am very excited to have this chat. I'm going to talk in a little bit about messiness, one of my favourite subjects. Yes. Um, (laughs) And so I'm really looking forward to diving into that. But first of all, I'm going to do what we always do and inviting you to say a bit about your story. Okay. So I, before coming back to do my PhD, I was um, a journalist slash writer in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, which is where I'm from. And my very last job before starting the PhD was as a features writer in a fashion magazine. Um, I'm not going to mention names, but it was like, it it was one of the biggest international fashion magazine titles. Um, So I was working in the Malaysian edition of that magazine. Yeah. So it was all, it was, you know, it was all the glamour and the champagne lunches and the business class trips abroad and things like that. Um, But, you know, as you can imagine, a fashion, a woman's fashion magazine, I was up against a lot of perfection and um beauty yeah beauty ideals all of that kind of thing um and this was already something that I'd struggled with my whole life myself um body image um you know the thin ideal wanting to lose weight all of that so I had joined the magazine hoping to make a difference in some way and to sort of present alternative ways of thinking about beauty and different you know to to offer readers a different uh, representation I guess of beauty but you know we were always up against very strict standards um, very narrow ideals of what was acceptable or quote-unquote pretty enough Mm. so yeah at that point I thought you know what let me let me go back to academia and look at this in more depth and see kind of what's really going on and how else we can conceptualize the beauty ideals. So that's, um, that's how I was kind of motivated and inspired to go back to academia. So I, I had done my first two degrees at the University of York um, in English literature. And I knew that York had this wonderful little center for women's studies. And so as I was deciding to do this PhD again, I decided to go back to York again. And I got so much flack for that. Everyone was saying, why don't you try somewhere else? Why don't you get a different experience in another university? But I was very clear that I wanted to go back to the center for women's studies. I got in touch with um, 
one of the lecturers who then became my supervisor and we clicked from the start. She was amazing. We, we had great conversations even before I submitted my application. And I knew that this was where I wanted to be. I knew that this was exactly the kind of support that I wanted. And this was the research that I wanted to do and that center would be able to support it. Um, so yeah, then I applied and went back into it, went back into academia. And that was in 2015. Um, I had an amazing, wonderful, extremely fulfilling, um, joyful experience all through the four years. I loved every moment of it. I loved my supervisors, my colleagues, my whole community. I had the opportunity to do lots of things. Um, and I was proud of the work that I did. I was really pleased with the thesis and so on my supervisors, both of them. Um, and then I went into my Viva and it was all the stuff of all my nightmares come true all at once in those two hours. Oh, no. <laughs> like, you know, I was just sitting here thinking, how brilliant. It's a good news story. I love it. It's very, very lovely. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I mean, it was awful. It was just, um, so the, the, my Viva was like the day after some union strike. So I think maybe the examiners were already a little bit on edge and it just, it just was everything that we didn't, myself and my supervisors didn't expect it to be, you know, um, all the elements that I was proud of and that my supervisors were impressed by and liked. Um, the examiners didn't. And yeah, they just kind of disagreed with the way that I did the research and they thought that it should have been done a different way and that I should have focused on different things, I guess. Uh, so it was, that was a really messy time for me to just, it, it it felt like because the PhD does become quite consuming, it becomes your world, it, you know, it's like a little baby. It's, you know, you, a, a lot of your sense of identity gets conflated with the piece of work that it felt like it was an attack on me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So then I had to go away and revise and resubmit it or major corrections. I mean, I know it differs from university to university um, and then had to work through the corrections right in the middle of all that pandemic nonsense as well. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was like, I was isolated. I was cut off from my partner who lived in a different town. I was all alone. Um, yeah, it was like, there were lots of tears <laughs> for about six months. I didn't, didn't look at it for ages, but then yeah, finally got it done. Um, got it through, did the corrections, resubmitted it and finally passed it. So there is a happy ending after all of that. Yeah. And it was, it turned out well in the end. So I officially graduated in 2021 in the summer. Like that would have been like the graduation ceremony. Um, so yeah, that was a long roundabout way yeah. of saying that I had, I feel like I've had experiences on both extremes yeah, like yeah. just extreme yeah, yeah. fulfillment and extreme disappointment yeah. um yeah so oh, I feel blimey. the pains and the and the joys and the highs yes. and the lows yes 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 well as I say I was I was getting all excited because it was it was sounding good but I think it, it is worth knowing that um that can be a difficult time in a way that you might not expect and so it is worth we we do talk about sort of preparing for your viva 
Um, and there's, there's, I think there's emotional preparation to do as well as that intellectual preparation to do before the viva. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really sorry that you've had that experience, um, but congratulations on um, on getting it done and Yay. coming out the other end. I will say, though, despite having had a difficult viva and despite having had to make those changes that I didn't agree with and I didn't really like the final version of the thesis, having said all that and gone through all that, I don't regret a thing that I did. Um, And I feel that even though that last year wasn't as great, it doesn't take away from the four years where things were really great. So I think it's important for us to kind of make that dis- distinction as well and not let one experience define the whole experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. It makes absolute sense. And I think that acknowledging um, that making the corrections and doing that is, is, a, is a job of work. Like it's, it's that sense of you've given it to editors, editors have got an opinion, you know, had journal articles like that, you kind of end up with a chapter or journal article that didn't look quite how you thought it would look. But it's the you know the editor had asked for these changes, you do the changes. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, and separating the work from you, like it's not a comment on you and your work. Absolutely, it's just a absolutely. thing that needed to be done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so you said that that was a messy time for you. Um, and yeah. you you talk a lot about messiness, and indeed you have called yourself now the messy coach, which yes. I love. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about um, how you perceive messiness now, how you work with messiness. Okay, I love talking about this. So I'm going to check the time so I don't end up speaking for an hour because I can go on about this for, for ages. Um, so okay, like so, like I said, I was working in a fashion magazine. This was like my immediately preceding experience from the PhD. And in, you know, something like in media, as it were, like you're always having to make sure everything is kind of immaculate and perfect. You know, you're meeting your deadlines exactly as is. You're um, right down to how you're designing the pages, right? Everything has to fit perfectly, quote unquote. Mm. Um, And then it's exacerbated in something like a fashion magazine where then everything has to look glossy and polished and perfect and all of that. And then I, I moved from that kind of world where everything's, you know, column inches and perfect, perfect everything into the world of research, which by nature is a, is a messy thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of conceptualize of messiness in the PhD or in research in two ways. So the first is that research itself is messy. Um, It's this kind of beast that you can't control. You can't really predict. It's a slippery thing. Things go wrong. Things turn out the way you don't expect. Um, Things get in the way all kinds of things can happen within the course of doing the research, right? Like things don't turn out the way you're expecting. Um, And I think that's where a lot of PhD students slip up, right? We think that it has to be perfect and like, oh my gosh, if the research didn't turn out the way I expected it to, then I have failed. Like if it's not the perfect piece of work that I envisaged in my research proposal, then I am not a good researcher. But actually like, 
the messiness is where the magic happens. Like the messiness is what makes you a good researcher, you know, how you respond to that messiness, how you look at the messiness and find new discoveries in that uncomfortable, unpredictable space. Um, yeah. The messiness is where the magic happens. I've written that yes. down. Yes. <laughs> um, that's my thing. I'm always saying that like, the magic is in the mess. Mm. Um, and I always say that if everything was known and everything was controllable and predictable, then there wouldn't be a need to do the research, right? Like you would just, exactly. you would exactly. just, yeah, you would know everything already. Well, I, um, I think also that if you kind of go, well, there you are, it was in my abstract and now this is exactly what I've delivered. You kind of go, well, did you actually do any research? Like, exactly. Kind of- and, and how boring would that be as well? That if everything just turned out exactly as it is. And I say this because there was a lot of messiness in my research. So I, you know, I was looking at women's responses and resistances to beauty ideals and it it was social research or qualitative. And it was nothing like all the women and the participants that I interviewed all said things that I didn't expect them to. And I was like, how can this be? I don't like what they're saying. And (laughs) why didn't they say, why did they talk about this and this? And it was very uncomfortable for me for a long time. And I was like, oh, what do I do with this now? You know, like none of this data is at all like what I'd set out to find. Um, But that led me down different paths and helped me consider different perspectives and different theories and take different approaches and um yeah it became more interesting as a result I think and you know showed up things that I hadn't considered before and that I I wasn't finding in the literature either so you know the that's where the magic happens right the discovery happens in the unexpectedness yes um and I love that you're saying about it's where the magic happens because of course messiness is also where the fear happens isn't it Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that um, and there's also this really lovely saying that you know if you jump you can fall or you can fly, and I kind of there's that tension as well in messiness, you know that you feel scared to face that messiness, but that's really where that extra juicy stuff happens, mm. <laughs> where the growth mm. happens, um, and so that's the my first. Um, sort of working definition or conceptualization of messiness is the second bit of messiness is like the messiness of life right so um all the other stuff that's happening alongside your PhD um things like health problems and relationship breakdowns bereavements um mental health issues and I'm not a mental health professional I'm not qualified in that at all but these are all things that bear on your research as well and you know we don't acknowledge those parts of us enough I don't think Mm. something as simple as like moving house can completely throw the course of your research Mm. but we feel like no no we must you know categorize them separately like the the house moving the bereavements the health issues have no bearing on my research Mm. I am a robust rigorous researcher and I will not let anything in the rest of my life impact my work Mm. um and that's where it all breaks down because of course it does impact on your work right you're a human 
you're a human being first before you're a researcher. Yes, yes, yes. And you need to look after the human being side of you. Yes. Um, So, yeah, this is what uh, I'm all about. I'm all about, you know, recognizing and dealing with all the other gumph and junk and all that stuff around the PhD alongside dealing with the PhD. Mm. Um, And that stuff feels messy, right? Nobody likes to talk about things that are going on or, or it feels like you're not like a good enough researcher if you're also talking about how like you broke up with your boyfriend or like how you had a stinky date and that went really bad <laughs> but mm-hmm. those those things impact you know how you're going into to do your research um, I think a part of the part of it I keep saying that I'm going to do an episode on relationships in the PhD because very often there's at least a shift in relationships when you're in the PhD um, mm-hmm. and often there, there, there are difficulties in relationships in the PhD because you're going through a transitional phase <laughs> so um, there, there will be ripples out of that and I love that you acknowledge this sense of actually there, there will be changes and shifts throughout your life and that's going to add to the, the messiness and lack of, of neat shape to your life um within the PhD process yeah yeah and I, you know I think a, I thought a lot about research and um, positionality and I did a lot of reflexive thinking um within my own research and so much of what we're going through and what we how we're feeling does impact on then the the decisions that we make and and how we're analyzing out. This is especially true, I think, for qualitative type research and social research. It might be a little bit different in STEM and I can't speak for that at all because I have no experience in that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I definitely found whatever was going and perhaps as well because my research was so much around bodies and Mm -hmm. like beauty and things like that, like what was going on around in my life and, and whether that's relationships or health issues or whatever, that was that would have a direct impact on what I then brought into the office, you know, yes, yes, yes. or when yes, I yes, open yes. my Word doc. Yes. Yeah. So there's this sense of, of recognising, recognising the mess, first of all, and acknowledging it, saying it's all part of the journey. Yeah. Um, and, th- and then what are your thoughts on what to do with that then? <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I like to, I think it's that thing where we just get super overwhelmed with the mess and then we become one with the mess, right? And then all the mess is all kind of swelling around. Um, You feel like you can't extricate yourself from it. Um, Yeah, a lot of overwhelm. I, I see this a lot. Um, um for among my PhD colleagues when I was still doing a PhD and now among my clients. Um, so I like to um get curious about the mess. I think it's really kind of sitting down and first of all, letting it in, like like you said, you know, recognize the mess and then let it be okay. And then get curious about what that mess actually is. So I like to say to PhD students, like be a researcher with whatever it is that's feeling messy and uncomfortable and that you feel like you have no no control over. Like look at it as 
as a bit of data, as it were, you know, look at it and think, okay, what is actually going on here? What is it that I need to actually address here? Um, What is it telling me? Like maybe the messiness has something that's important that it has to tell you. So in terms of messiness in research, it could be telling you something about your data set. Um, It could be telling you something about the methods that you're using that maybe, you know, the method was there's something wrong with, with the method or, um, or maybe there's something right about the method or something that you hadn't considered. Um, in terms of like your own life and what's going on, and, and this is not just specific to the PhD, but life in general, like if something's feeling messy, then kind of look at it and say, what is it telling me? Like, is there some sort of deeper, more embedded kind of feeling that I need to be addressing? Um, Is there maybe some unresolved issue in my relationship that I'm not facing up to? Um, Is there some kind of past trauma that I'm still holding on to? And, you know, I'm not here to, to help you, like to, to tell you how to work through that. And some issues may require more qualified help, like with a therapist or with a mental health professional that will help you kind of figure out what's actually going on but yeah it's really kind of untangling it untangling all the all the different strands of what's actually going on and then getting curious about it and seeing you know what what can it tell me about what's happening at the moment and what steps do I then need to take to address each of these strands I love that. And this this sense of of because when we control is is out often about trying to mitigate fear, isn't it? I'm gonna control it, make it nice and neat. Yes. Um, and and actually kind of just to to try and try and be with this. But it can be really, really difficult and very painful, isn't it? Um, but it, it the the then you can get some information from it. I love that. And I love the just to um this sense of Often, I think, um, Reminition talks about this sense of um, having unfinished business. That's what people come into the PhD with often. So it is, if if we take that perspective, like the PhD is always going to be messy, right? There's always, there's unfinished yes. business that you're working through. And I love it because that's, yes. the, that's like, the, that's the grit in the oyster, right? That's what's yes. really gorgeous. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah, I think the PhD, you're right about that for sure. Like I think it highlights or it brings to the fore like certain things that are already kind of sort of bubbling away under the surface. Um, so for example, I think a lot of PhD students are naturally quite competitive or are quite Um, have tendencies towards perfectionism, for example. Like, this is just an example. I'm not saying it's definitive for everyone. Um, So they're coming into the PhD already with those kinds of issues that they've maybe been grappling with throughout their educational life or in their careers or whatever. And then the PhD kind of shines a light on that and it feels even more messy and more uncomfortable. But that's really a good opportunity to look at it and say, okay, what's, you know, what is this perfectionist issue that I'm dealing with? And what are the steps that I can take to really kind of nip it in the bud now and address it? Hmm. And recognize the strengths of it. What, what's the strengths of what you're coming with? Yeah. I, just, I think it's um, 
it's an opportunity to get you to know yourself, isn't it? Which yes. isn't always, which isn't always a pleasant experience. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I always yeah. want to get to know ourselves fully. <laughs> um, oh, I love it. I love it. Magic in the messiness. That's, yes, that's, magic that's, in the mess. That's always the new, the new mantra. Um, I'm aware of time, but I don't want to let you go without asking the very unfair question that I ask a lot of people about uh do you have something a, a top tip or something we can take away um into the messiness with us okay um yeah so I wanted to say that and I know this kind of goes against even us doing this podcast but I was going to say that you know, there's a lot of noise out there in the PhD and academic community telling you how you should do the PhD how this and how that and if you're not doing it this way, then like you're somehow wrong or you're not as good or whatever. And it can get really overwhelming and that can feel really messy as well. So at the risk of kind of going against everything I've said, I wanted to say like the best way out of the messiness in many instances is to listen to your own instincts and your own gut and tune out any noise that is not serving you. Um, I think there's this idea that like, you know, everyone knows better than me or everyone's doing better than me or, oh, the academic community knows best because they're the most qualified or whatever. But just because somebody is further along in the journey than you or is more qualified than you, it doesn't mean that they know what is best for you and your research, like every, every single piece of research is different, right? And mm -hmm. so unique. And it's really to get super, super clear on what you want, what you are being led to do by your own instincts and your own gut, um, getting super clear on your own goals and leaning into what feels most right and what feels like it will best serve you to meet those goals. So this is really about listening to yourself and having trust and faith in your own sort of like inner voice, I guess, higher self. I know that's getting a little bit woo and a little bit spiritual. Oh, I love the woo. Bring the woo. Bring <laughs> yeah. it on. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think there's a lot of this, again, like, like you've, you've talked about fear a lot, this fear of like, oh, we're not doing it right. And we need to follow the, the rules. And there's a lot of like how to do something kind of edicts, I guess, out there in the academic world. But, you know, how to do something right for one person is not going to work for somebody else. And it's really kind of learning to trust that you do know what is going to be best for you and your project. Mm. Oh. Um, yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> and block out that. all that noise. Like, I, you know, this is about also giving yourself permission to block out noise that is not supporting or serving you. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. Um, thank you so much, Jamie, for reminding us how, how important intuition is. Um, thank you also for just encouraging encouraging us to face the mess and be in the mess yes um, get get messy let yourself get messy 
Love it. Love <laughs> it. Um, so we're going to have people want to find out more about what you do. We'll have all the information in the show notes. So you can click through and, and find Jamie there. But first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time today to be here. And thank you so much for having me. I love talking about mess. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for giving me this half an hour to talk about all of that. No worries. And thank you all for listening. 